and welcome to episode 69 of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your host, Allie. And I'm Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of animal, I almost said animal addicts, but that's not what this is about, <laughs> of animals today. I think I was was actually thrown by your, and I'm Casey, even though I was like, oh, I wasn't thrown by it today, but obviously I was. Mm-hmm. Also, this is our last episode of 2021. Woo! Woo! And also, quick reminder, there will be no episodes, new, new episodes in um, January. We are taking that month off, which will be our normal break month. <laughs> with our new system that we should have implemented from the beginning, and we will be back in February. Where are we going to be in February? We're in Asia right now. Is Oceana? I think yes. it's Oceana in February. So, mm-hmm. cool stuff. In the meantime, catch up on old episodes. Uh, go to the website, and you can find all of them easily in one place. Anywho, but uh, before we get into our animals for today, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I renewed my zoo pass. Yay! Do you have the ugly one I have now? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Um, it, I think it's coming, like, in a week. Okay. So I have my temporary digital one from my email. Okay. Is that pretty at least? I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> well, it's literally just a piece of paper writing in a bark. Okay. So. so it doesn't even have the nope. emblem or anything on it? Uh-uh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which level did you go with? The lowest I could do. So that is the wildlife protector. I'm trying to remember which one that is. I think it's, is it a tiger? I think it's a tiger. Yeah, it's a tiger. Oh. You spend less money and get a tiger, and I have a gorilla, and I spent so much money. That's what I found so weird. It was like, why they choose a gorilla? I don't know. Yeah. You would think you'd want to make the tiger so more people want to do yeah. it. Also, well, that's also my confidence. I mean, no like, offense, why didn't gorillas, you make but... the little kid one like the platypus? Like, if it, a higher level, I would choose the platypus. Oh, it's cute for kids though. Yeah. But usually, the the kids was always the koalas because you were the yeah. Koala I remember. Club. Yeah, and that was, was adorable club. and amazing. Yeah. Why they even if you're getting rid of other stuff, keep Koala Club. That was amazing yeah. and adorable and cute. Never and who doesn't like koalas? Come on. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well Honestly because I can't because I moved, I can't do the San Diego resident one. I honestly don't Oh, rem- you're a Riverside resident yeah. now. You can't do the San Diego's uh museum. Yeah, I can't either. do the San Diego oh, that History sucks. Museum now. Yeah. That sucks, dude. Yeah. So I had it. I don't even. I think that is that one a rhino, resident one. I have no idea. I don't, dude. I don't remember. I know I was no. going between the one I got and the one that was right below it. Mm-hmm. So right. I don't know if you have the one that's right below it or if you have the one below that. It's the one right below it because the one oh, okay. below that is the resident. Got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was. That's the what I was debating between was those. So you'll have to let me know how you feel about yeah. this one because you can't bring anyone in now, right? No, I have one free. Um, well, you get your, ticket and yeah, then two for the year. Yeah. And then two fifty percent off. Discount, yeah, but you yeah. don't get to bring someone with you every time, so yeah. we'll see. So you have to let me know how you feel about that, because I really like being able to bring someone. Yeah. And then it is nice to get the preferred parking yeah. when they're doing it, yeah. And the front line and the thing. Mm-hmm. So you have to go with me a lot, and then we'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, like it's a problem if I want to go with like my sisters, because they I don't know if they will get a pass. My younger sister doesn't have money to buy a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but my most of my friends have a zoo pass, so. For me, I feel like it's usually when I have people from out of town. Yeah. I mean, I do use other, I use, I also bring other friends too, but mostly it's people from out of town because it's like, oh, we can do this and it's basically free. Mm -hmm. It's not, definitely not free now. Now I'm very much paying for it, but, but still it's like something easy to do. So anyway. Okay. Well, that's fun. So you have it now. So you'll have to let me know how you feel about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I also recently, my family does this every year. We go to Knott's Mary Farm. Um, as a Christmas. How is that? I don't know. That's good. I'm sure I've done it at some point, but the thing is, um, we do it because my dad's a veteran, so he gets these free tickets, but they've changed it now. So it's only basically, it's just Monday through Thursday used to be include the weekend, but now it's Monday through Thursday. That makes sense though. Um, yeah. If it's Um, free, I mean, and so we went on Thursday. It was so dead. I had like hardly any wait time. Nice. Is it is it fun and super festive at, at it the is, merry yeah. part, or is they it just the rides do, and stuff is the same? They do have like festive themes, like um, they get all decorated. There's lights. My mom has to be there when they light the tree every okay. time. So whenever we go there, we have to go ask when do they light the tree so we can go take our pictures. And <laughs> they also have this like little Christmas. Um, it's kind of like I don't know how to describe it, but there's like little booths um in certain areas mm-hmm. of the park where um vendors come and sell certain things oh it's kind of like the wine and food festival at yeah. disney then okay mm-hmm. um 
All right. Well, I just haven't been to Knott's Berry Farm yeah. in a while. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. I don't. If but I was did nice that, not I was having to wait in line. Oh, I bet. Like, and they have pretty good rides there. So. Yeah. Except for what is that ghost? What's that one? You don't like Ghost Rider? It hurts. Yes, but it's so fun. It hurts. That is the most painful ride. That is like my that and my and sister's Viper favorite ride. Oh my god! Yeah. No, that was painful. Yeah. When I went last time, my friend and I were both like, "We just need this to be over at this point." Like, <laughs> yeah. this hurts. But um, it was um, a few. T- the first time it was just me and my sister, so I was in a cart all alone. Mm-hmm. It's much more brutal when you're all alone. I bet it was just. R- I was like, "This is not fun anymore." This just I still hurts. Had fun. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was rough though." This just needs to be over. Yeah. Oh, but funny thing is, one of the first rides we went on was the water log ride. And I haven't done that in forever. Yeah. So my cousin, because we go with our cousins too, um, she had her phone out to take a picture as we were going down. Turns out for a safety issue, if you do that, they will not show you your picture after you get off the ride. Oh. Yeah. And turns out my mom, I think it was my mom, did that too. But she didn't mean to take a picture. She was just holding it out. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't see those pictures. Not like we would have actually bought them anything, but right. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah. okay. Well, that's that's good times. Yes. It's been a long time since. Good... So, is he able to get free tickets for his whole family, or like discounts yeah. for everyone aside from him? He gets, I be... he gets um, six tickets, including himself. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so my entire all... family, any veteran, yeah. they just get six yeah. tickets. Okay. Him that's and cool. I think five family members. I think is the thing. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah. fun. And last thing is I want to do a quick vent yeah. against Times Magazine. Okay. I haven't, pers- I haven't looked, so you'll have to. For their to... person of the year. Okay. Is Elon Musk. Bullshit. Yeah. Because, basically because he's rich. And it's like, it's, it's a trillion dollar company. I was like, really? Oh, is that why they said they yes, chose bas- him? Yes, basically because of the wealth spike in te- Tesla, basically. It's like. Yeah, that was something we were talking about. I was, because, like, I want a Tesla because, obviously, electric car and being better for the mm-hmm. environment and everything, but then he's such an awful yeah. human being. I'm like, I don't want to give him any money. Yeah. But also, a Tesla, if I could afford it, would be good because yeah. it's better. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's truly one of the worst human beings on this planet. Yeah. So, um, yes. it's pretty bad. And, like, I was telling this to my sister. It's like, how on earth, with the pandemic going on for basically two years now, was it not the scientist that developed the vaccine as person of the year? that like seriously really how is that not the person of the year yeah i didn't even like think of that i do i do remember seeing because i didn't remember who i didn't see who won it mm-hmm. but i remember people commenting how dolly parton should be because yeah. she's freaking rich but she's mm-hmm. not as rich as these assholes yeah. because she actually gives her money to people mm-hmm. and helps people out and we all love dolly parton oh yeah but yeah anyway she should be but also, yeah, definitely the people who came up with the vaccine mm. should be the person of the year. Not mm-hmm. not suck up to someone who already, you know, thinks his shit don't stink. Yeah. Ugh. Can we just get rid of the billionaires entirely, Honestly. please? <sighs> can we? They just are so useless because then that money doesn't actually go anywhere. It just mm-hmm. sits and hoards instead of, like, giving it to middle class families where it's spent on restaurants and theme yeah. parks and going to concerts and dance lessons and restaurants and everything. Like, mm-hmm. It's so stupid. And then the way people will defend these people, too. Dude, Elon is amazing. Musk fans are insane, like, how fervently they will defend him. And then it's there's like, the whole thing of, like, they're like, oh, Bezos was, you know, self-made in a garage. And, like, first of all, you have to have a garage. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, oh, we're disregarding the fact that his parents gave him over 300 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, you come up with the Amazon. It's like, we're not arguing that he shouldn't be rich. He mm-hmm. should be rich. He came up with a great idea yeah. that was, like, changed the world. Totally should be, like, filthy rich. But <laughs> there's a limit of how mm-hmm. rich you should be, especially when you're that rich and you exploit your workers mm-hmm. and you don't pay your workers fairly. Now, if they're a better company, more like akin to Costco, who mm-hmm. actually pays their people decent wages, then then yeah, you can then you can be as wealthy as you are. But uh, you're not. You're a piece of shit. So screw all those assholes. Yeah. Dolly Parton for the win. Dolly Parton and people who came up with vaccines for yep. COVID. They're the winners. Not these assholes. We should never mention them again. But like, yeah. oh, we should come up with, what are cool fungi names we can use for them instead? Oh. We'll have to come up with some. Yeah. But like, of the billionaires, like, I have, like, Amazon is some of the ways, like, I can't afford some things. And it's like, no, I think No, Amazon that's... is great yeah. if they just took care of their people. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, but like, because of that, it's the, even though Jeff Bezos, I think is technically richer, 
um, in terms of his net worth. Um, with a Tesla, it's just basically rich assholes that benefit. <laughs> Um, I'm like, seeing a lot more of them. Oh, really? I'm seeing a lot more of them, the yeah. ugly ones, um, yeah. which I, I wouldn't bother getting it. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I can't get one of the cute ones, I'm not getting it, because yeah. some of them are pretty ugly. Get a leaf. Mm. I, I'm happy with my car for now. Yeah. It's not electric, but like it yeah. should last me a long time still. Yeah, but there was um, a study done a while ago. It's like, um, make sure you're ethical with like when you decide to get an electric car, because if you're just wanting a Tesla, it's not ethical, because you have to remember, there's intensive mining that has to go into drilling for the metals to make the batteries for those electric cars. And also, because of how our power grid works, it's going to be fossil fuels fueling the construction of those um, electric cars. So you will... It's still, though, it's it's tough yeah. because, like, it's still going in the right direction. Yeah. It's never... It's not. There's not going to be a way to be completely yeah. environmentally safe. A better option... Until we um, totally go that, to that. A better options that people suggest is getting a used electric car um, because actually, our we would probably increase the carbon footprint if everyone turned in their um, gas guzzlers and turned it in for a brand new electric car. Yeah, well, that's yeah. never gonna happen. So oh, no, that's not gonna be a problem anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would I would like to yeah. get one of the cute Teslas if I could. Mm-hmm. Also, not gonna lie. Also, it's, the charging. It's a cat system. nose. <laughs> it's a cat nose, and I want that. <laughs> Have you looked at that emblem? It is very much a cat's yeah. nose. So I want that. But I just, it's the same problem with Amazon because I try to buy from brick and mortar stores Mm -hmm. first if I can, but sometimes you just have to get something, you have to get it fast or you can't find it reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. Some places will price match though. So you have to get it from Amazon. And then the suckiest thing is Amazon Prime has really good shows. So I'm I like, have Prime, but I, I don't still, watch the shows. Oh, no, they're so good. So yeah. I'm like, I don't want to give him any more money. But it does suck because mm-hmm. it is a revolutionary idea. So that should be a good thing, mm-hmm. except for the fact that it's putting other businesses yeah. out, of, out of business. Yeah, but like the monopoly building is the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's the issue. But, um, but yeah, they just don't take care of it. And I've, I've known many people who've worked for them, and it was not good. And they weren't mm-hmm. even in the warehouses. So yeah. Um, so anyway. Oh, like also that a candle factory that wouldn't let people leave in Kentucky, and a <sighs> bunch of them died in the building. Mm-hmm. They should be out of business entirely after that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, also, what's crazy to me, oh, also, this was a little bit back, sorry, but there was this, like, massive tornado. I think it's actually now the, the tornado that touched down for the longest in U.S. history. Um, anyway, and this one factory told their workers if they went home, they were fired. Mm-hmm. But also, if you live in a tornado place, any business, especially any school and houses should all have storm shelters, but they yeah. don't. Because I remember a few years ago, there was there was a tornado and a bunch of kids died in a school. I'm like, there's no fucking way I would send my child to a school that does not have a storm shelter. Yeah. <laughs> if I live in, first of all, I'm not living in a tornado place, because fuck that. But yeah. like, We'll take our earthquakes. <laughs> earthquakes any day. I yeah. mean, really, it's fires, which do suck. Yeah. But then people, yeah, they'll be like, oh, earthquakes. I'm like, I can count on one hand how many times in my life that I have lived here that an earthquake has even knocked anything off a shelf. Oh, yeah. I've slept through earthquakes. Yeah, or we sleep through them all the time. We have them every day. (laughs) But then, like, and yes, a big one will happen eventually. Might not be in my lifetime, Mm -hmm. because Northridge would have been the last big one. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and that was, like, in the 90s, maybe? I don't even know. Um, But, yeah, so it'll be a big one. But, like, it'll be sudden. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have, if I have to listen to those sirens going off every time, every time I'm going to stress out and be like, this is the day I die. Mm -hmm. This is the day I lose my cats. This is the day my neighbor's horses die. Like, you know, I don't want to deal with that. So, no. But also, it just, it blows my mind that, like, you live in a place that has this regularly and you don't have a storm shelter. Mm-hmm. Because earthquakes aren't going to usually hit the exact same spot yeah. in a big way multiple times. They can, like, scrape your foundation and they can do damage, but it's not going to kill you, most likely. Mm-hmm. But tornadoes can hit the same exact place mm-hmm. year after year after year. Like, what is wrong with these yeah. people? Anyway, I can't. <sighs> so sorry. We went off on a tangent. <laughs> I can't. Anyway, evil uh, rich people. Mm-hmm. There can be good rich people. Unfortunately, yeah. I think it's like absolute power corrupts absolutely. The more wealth you get, yeah, the more shitty you tend to get. <laughs> anyway, um, so moving along. So yes, screw times. That was a terrible choice. Um, but yay for Zoo Pass and yep. Knott's Mary Farm. I. Was like, I'm going to continue. Eventually, I obviously didn't get it done this year, but I want to try to get through the National Parks one at least so that series was complete. Um, I did not succeed. But I did watch one more, and I chose The Gates of the Arctic because it is Christmas time, and I figured that was the most apropos. So I watched Gates of the Arctic. I'm telling you now, I'm giving it a rating of safe. 
However, I am very certain they just didn't show the shit that went down. I'm pretty <laughs> sure some of the baby caribou died. Um, and I think they just didn't show it. And there were a bunch of other issues, too. They did show a bear catching a ground squirrel. They don't follow families, though, exactly. They kind of do, but not like the other documentaries do. So it's kind of a different setup. Um, but also found out... Grizzlies will adopt orphan grizzly cubs. Interesting. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, they were following this one mom. She had her two cubs. And it was a little heated because, like, a male bear came. And she was like, get out of here. These are my fish. You know, in that kind of situation. Anyway. And most bears, the males can be dangerous to the cubs, potentially. But anyway. So, she goes away and hibernates. And then she comes back. And she's like, oh, the mom is back with another bear cub now. <laughs> which is, like, the same size of her other two cubs. So, they're like... Sometimes grizzlies, like, grizzlies have been known to adopt orphan grizzlies. I'm like, first of all, how many grizzlies get orphaned? That is sad. And then also, they'll just take in babies. That's so nice of them. It makes me so happy that they'll do that. And then they have polar bears, which, you know, are SOL, basically, because they're talking about the fact that, like, they don't, when they go, which also is sad, so I'm, like, happy to not see that, but when the ice freezes and they go out and just start eating on seal pups, basically. Mm-hmm who are trapped on the ice, but um, how obviously they're having more issues because the ice is freezing later and later so that they're getting hungry and hungry, which makes them more aggressive, and then they're fighting each other and yada yada. I remember I saw this one. It was a documentary. I can't remember what it was titled, but it was mainly about polar bears. But it was one part that I find cute was um, the there was this one polar bear, rather than just fasting throughout the summer months, he was still trying to hunt because he was youngster and didn't know better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... He decided his prey of choice was going to be walrus pups. Oh, no. Yeah. And um, you could see, like, when the females noticed that there was a polar bear, they grab their pups and hold them close to them. It's, like, so cute. And, of course, the polar bear failed. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. You're not going to be able to. Mom's not going to put up with that. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't. There wasn't too much terribleness. There was one little ground squirrel that died. but (laughs) um, And, obviously, fish. Again, the salmon never do well in these. Um. And then um, they breed once and die anyway. <laughs> yeah, they you know they have a rough time. I do feel bad for them because they definitely start ripping them apart and eating them before mm-hmm. they're dead. So I'm like, oh, that's that's mm-hmm. rough, man. At least the bear who got the ground squirrel got his head first. So I'm like, great, he's dead. Just I mean, also you can basically swallow that hole mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but man, the ground squirrels are mean when they fight. They're all bloody. And then these like goat the bear with an A. I forget. Anyway, these goat things they fought and they were bleeding. I was like, oh no, don't bleed. And then, um, like, just go rub it in the snow. <laughs> um, and then they had some moose that was a very short fight. But it's just so weird. And it made me think of that, too. Like, the animals that will fight to the death and stuff. And not just to the death, but will there horribly injuries each other. And I'm like, this does not seem smart for the species. <laughs> also, males eating other cubs does not seem smart. I get the fact that you want it to be your babies. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. in that case, it's not even that. It's just that I'm hungry and I'm going to eat you. Well, you have to keep in mind that selective selection acts more strongly on individuals than groups or species yeah so anyway but yes so gates of the arctic um safe also didn't realize i went up to alaska i don't remember we were close to to denali Mm -hmm. not to this i think this is up higher because they were saying this one doesn't have any roads and stuff and you have to like fly in and mountain climbers go there freaking crazy people who goes there um but also you gotta like pass through grizzly bears I don't know exactly how far down the polar bears come in that park, but you got polar bears and grizzlies in the same park. Mm. No, thank you. Also, just moose. You don't want to run into the moose and all that. And then they show the mosquitoes. Moose are so huge. Oh, my, they're so big. And then, like, mm-hmm. and they can be aggressive if they, you know, if you feel like you're an issue. And the mosquitoes are so bad. And I can tell you from going to Alaska, it's so beautiful in the summer in Alaska, but the mosquitoes just ruin it. And they're huge. That's why the caribou's not great. Yeah, they're huge. <laughs> I know, and a lot of the animals will go up high enough to where the mosquitoes don't go we did it too because when we went up they took me up to um oh i forgot what it's called now but it's up to a little glacier area and they did a episode of mythbusters at this place too anyway um and we went up there and it's like no mosquitoes here because it's cold (laughs) um but anyway so um yeah the the mosquitoes just make it unbearable they do talk about the muskox and how cool they are and that they disappeared from Alaska, and they had to bring mm-hmm. them over from Greenland. Oh. So there we go. Um, but anyway, so, and they, they got sick of the mosquitoes, too, and went up up on the hill to get away from them. I'm like, yeah, they're awful. Anyway, yeah, so Gates of the Arctic, um, that's America's National Parks. That one is safe. And they also briefly showed, I know it wasn't Denali. It's another Alaskan park 
It's whichever one everyone goes to to get pictures of the bears fishing as the salmon jump up. Oh. Um. So when I go back to Alaska, I do want to go see those, but also I'm supposed to go back in winter so I can actually see the northern lights. And I'm not obviously going to go to a park during winter because it's pretty much dark the entire time. So, <laughs> anywho. Also, shout out to friends in Alaska. Woo! Alaska's gorgeous. Go yeah. check it out if you can. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Gates of the Arctic, safe. You can watch that one. Um, but let's move on into what we wanted to talk about. And Casey, yes. you have something that's maybe good. I don't think it's no. bad, at least, right? No, no. It's just, yeah. it exists. Yes. Okay. So, it's, it's another elephant study. Okay. But before I get into it, I want to make a correction. Okay. Because back in Month for Africa, I talked about which teeth in humans are comparable to that of the tusks in elephants. And um, I did say it correctly. It is the maxillary lateral incisors. But then Allie was like, you're... And I pointed to them, and Allie was like, your pointy teeth? <laughs> it's like, I need to make a correction, because it's not the pointy teeth. The pointy teeth are your canines. Yeah, I would say those are the canines. Yeah, the ones right next to it. In front or behind? In front, so. Okay, okay, yeah. so these guys. Yeah. Right Three before and your buck teeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So the correction's out of way. So this study, if it loads... Uh, this study is on kinematics in Asian elephants. What is that? Kinematics is study of mechanics associated with the motion of an object, in this case, the limbs of an elephant. Oh, okay. The study is titled Impact of Weight Carriage on Joint Kinematics in Asian Elephants Used for Writing, and it was published in the journal Animals in August of this year. The study was investigating the potential impact on elephants, from carrying around people on their backs as part of the tourism industry in Thailand, which is one of the more controversial issues surrounding elephants. So a little bit of background. In Thailand, logging was banned back in 1989, so elephants in human care have shifted from logging um, to the tourism industry. Thailand has over 3,500 elephants, 95% of which are privately owned, and 77% um, of those are kept in tourist camps. A previous study found that these elephants carried tourists around for two to three hours and travel an average of four to five kilometers per day. In Thailand, the Prevention of Cruelty and Animal Welfare Provision Act states that elephants should not be carrying weights exceeding 10% of their body weight. This is, And this study that I'm going to be covering is likely the first study ever um, investigating weight impacts on tourist elephants. These kinds of studies have been um, done extensively in humans and horses, and those studies have shown that um, heavy loads cause changes to the spine structure, which leads to spinal disorders. Hmm. And they also found that there are biomechanical alterations made to adjust to heavy loads and that this can ultimately cause damage to cartilage and other soft tissues. So in this study, they used um, what are called inertial measurement units, which are wireless motion sensors that were placed on the elephants to analyze the motions of the elephant's gait in three-dimensional space, um, rather than two um, dimensions, which is done when you analyze video recordings. It has been found uh, that modified gait behavior is associated with muscular musculoskeletal issues in elephants, which is why they were so interested in measuring changes in the gait. There were eight elephants used in this study, Six females and two males. Um, the average age was about 33 years old, but the entire range was with the youngest being 20 years old and the oldest being 51. And the average mass was about 3,265 kilograms. And these elephants worked in routine saddle riding, um, having no more than two people in a saddle on their back, um, working no more than five hours per day. And under a protocol, the trial would end for an elephant if it showed signs of fatigue, lameness, or didn't walk, which did not happen with any of the elephants in this study. Um, first, they collected data from an elephant when it just had the mahout, which is the person that stands on the neck of the elephant during these tourisms. And then they would put on a wooden saddle with two people and free weights to equal 15% of the elephant's weight. And the walk was um, at the elephant's own chosen pace over a distance of 40 meters on flat grass. And the data was specifically collected at the midpoint of the walk 
And the reason they did that, because they didn't want their numbers being affected from the acceleration from starting the walk or the deceleration from starting to slow down to end the walk. Hmm. So what they found is um, with no weight, the median score was 0.96 meters per second for their speed. Um, whereas when they had the weights on, the median speed was 0.73 meters per second. Um, and the kinematic analysis showed that there was no significant changes in elephant skates with the additional weight. They also specifically chose a higher weight load under the assumption some tourist camps don't abide by the recommendations. Hmm. So based on this study, there is no significant difference in either speed or kinematics of the elephant's gait. There are some limitations for the study, as they only measured on one side of the elephants to use as a reference, because it's kind of what you have to work with when using certain mechanical devices. And they did not uh, measure changes in other bones and joints that might be a that have been shown to be um, affected by heavy loads in horses. Hmm. It is also possible that kinetics may have a bigger impact on the elephants than kinematics, and that would include things basically just the force from the weight on bones and joints. Also, these elephants have already been working for years as trekking elephants on may have already learned to adjust to the weight. So the researchers say that there needs to be further investigation using more elephants to determine longer impacts from things such as walking over different terrain and longer distances. So, so far it does not seem at least that um, weight um, affecting the elephants is a primary issue for their health in these tourist camps. Okay. Yeah. I just question mm -hmm. those things. Yeah, because I want there to go meet elephants, and with... I want to ride an elephant, and I feel like, mm -hmm. I mean, when I'm at my normal weight, that's not that much weight on mm -hmm. an elephant. But also, what concerns me is like, how are they trained to do that? Is yeah. that ethical and that's, nice? That's where I find greater concern. Because a lot of elephants are pretty chill with people yeah. and like their human yeah. people, so I feel like it could totally be mm -hmm. done. But then I'm concerned about like, are you a place that does this ethically, yeah. or do you like abuse these elephants? Yeah. So there's that. The training's a big issue on um, whether it's ethical or not. And then there's also the care being provided. It's probably most, it will likely not be on the same par as, say, the AZA accredited zoos. Right. Yeah. Same thing with those. And then all the places where it's like you go somewhere and like you can pet a baby tiger. And I'm like, yeah. a lot of those places are also sketchy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yes, I want to see things, but also I don't want to contribute to more problems. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, so as far as we know, the elephants are doing okay. Mm -hmm. But I feel like until they study the other things, yeah, it's really not going to tell you too much. True. Just tells you if it's slowing them down. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, poor elephants. They've been used by people for so long. Mm -hmm. Anywho. Okay. Well, um, this is a month with five weeks. So I have decided anytime that happens, we get a bonus breed and I struggled. I considered moving on to a different animal, but I was like, you know what? We did three different ones. I should probably circle back and do another one of one of the ones we've already covered. So I chose to do a kitty and, um, just like with choosing a dog breed that's from Asia, I was like, well, let's try to get a cat that's from Asia. So we're very Japan focused right now. Mm. And I chose the Japanese bobtail. So I will be linking both of these sources. One is from Purina and then a more in-depth one is from cat, cat fanciers. We'll get to that when we get there. You'll see. Hang on a second. Okay. So we have the Japanese bobtail. First of all, they're adorable. I'm just going to say it. And sometimes they have different colored eyes. So cute. Okay, so they are medium size with males weighing about 7 to 10 pounds and females weighing about 5 to 7 pounds. Um, they come in long-haired and short-haired variety. And um, I'll just bring the, read this little bit because they just have funny things. Both of these sides, of course, have funny things. So one of the oldest cat breeds, the Japanese bobtailed, is believed to bring good luck and prosperity. The two coat varieties, long hair, short hair, are exactly the same except for coat length. This delightfully mischievous feline enjoys a good game of fetch and likes to carry things in her mouth. A healthy breed that lives an average of 15 to 18 years. Um, and the Japanese bobtail is social and particularly good with children. Also, they have this little did you know thing, which I just find funny because it relates to our other kitty. That in August of 1968, Elizabeth Freeret, sure, a well-known Abyssinian breeder, our other kitty breed, imported three Japanese bobtails to the U.S. 
and these cats became the foundation stock in this country for Japanese bobtails, obviously. Anyway, so just that was just funny for me to note that um, it's also an Abyssinian person, so they have cool things. Okay, so I'm going to read some of this from you from Cat Fanciers. Um, it's pretty great. Okay, so here we go. Full of energy, always playful, loving, endearing, and happy best describes a Japanese bobtail's personality. They are very people-oriented and want to be the center of family life. They will watch TV with you, help you read the newspaper or a book. That's a lie. That means the cat's going to lay on it because that's what cats do. And they love to help you send emails on the computer. Okay. <laughs> When your doorbell rings, they will go with you to greet your guest. If you want a cat, they'll interact with you and your family. The Japanese bobtail is the breed for you. They like to carry things in their mouths and mostly enjoy a good game of fetch or soccer. Masters of the pounce. These cats love to play tag with their cat friends. They are excellent travelers. I need that to go to Arizona because she is not. Um, and enjoy cat shows and hotel rooms. They adjust to dogs and other animals and are especially good with children. They are naturals at feline agility. Okay, so quick side note. We discovered from this feline agility is a thing. I have linked a video. It's pretty great. It's kind of ridiculous. They basically do it like dog agility, but they have like a teaser toy they have them go through, and it's like an enclosed ring thing. It's pretty ridiculous. It's great. Anyway, so if you're bored, look up feline agility videos. Also, you might get a D&D &D thing because I think that's one of the features <laughs> of the tabaxi. And when I typed in feline agility to Google, that's what I got was tabaxi info. But anyway, yay, D&D. &D. Back to them. They love to jump hurdles and leap through hoops and are speedy and proficient at the sport. They have been known to run the course in less than 10 seconds. We'll say from the little video we watched, the Japanese bobtail did very well. Mm. Anyway. So, the tail is unique not only to the breed, but to each individual cat. Like our fingerprints, no two tails are ever alike. The tail must be clearly visible and is composed of one or more curves, angles, or kinks, or any combination. The furthest extension of the tailbone from the body should be no longer than three inches. The direction in which the tail is carried is not important. The tail may be flexible <laughs> or rigid and should be of a size or shape to harmonize with the rest of the cat. Who decides these things? Cat people. The genetic factor which created the Japanese, Japanese bobtail is due to the dominant genes and breeds true. Anyway, it's um, it's pretty crazy. They also go on to say that their back legs are longer than their front that make them look more muscular, which isn't the case with all kitties. Um, and they talk about their head shape and all of that kind of stuff. Excuse me. And they talk about the colors they come in. You can read about that, too. Oh, apparently mackerel is a color. That's Mackerel? Fun. Yeah. They have it like tabby pattern, which is either spotted mackerel or classic. <laughs> what is mackerel? This is crazy stuff, man. Anyway. Um, okay, so the Japanese bobtail is one of the oldest naturally occurring breeds of cat and is native to the islands of Japan. Again, Japan has cool shit. Um, from written records, it seems certain that the domestic cat first arrived in Japan from China or Korea at least 1,000 years ago. It is believed that the original domestic cats came with the Buddhist monks in 16 to 7, 16, sorry, 600 to 700 AD and were brought to keep the rats out of the rice paper scrolls in the temples. In the 1600s, the silks trade found itself in jeopardy due to rats and the Japanese bobtail was pressed into service and thus became the street cat that it is today in Japan. Um, all CFA, Cat Fanciers Association, uh, registered cats can be tracked back to the original and current imported cats. Those, those three, I guess. Anyway, um, and the Japanese bobtail certainly exists in Japan for many centuries. It is featured in many ancient prints and paintings. And then Elizabeth Ferret imported the first, not Ferret, Freyet, whatever. Free, Ferret. Ferret? Maybe Ferret. Ferret. Basically, it looks like Ferret, but except for the R comes before the E. Anyway. Um, and so she brought it here in 68, and the short-haired Japanese bobtail was accepted for championship status in 1976, followed by the long-haired Japanese in, um, bobtail in 1993. Anyway, so they go on to talk about their health and everything. They're pretty good and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, um, it's pretty, it's pretty great. They're pretty cute, though. Obviously, we'll have a picture of them. It doesn't really explain the Can I read one to look like an actual bobcat? Probably not, because they don't come in those colors. So Why? Uh, you might have better luck with a Manx. A Manx? Mm -hmm, that's another one that's bob. Mm. It's a bobtail. 
Um, but anyway, it doesn't really explain the tale, which bothers me because I'd like to know how that actually like really came about. I don't know if it's just going to be like the Sphinx where like one cat had it and then they just inbred like crazy to probably. make that happen again. It's probably what happened. Anyway, so um, so yeah, so I will link both things. But that is the Japanese bobtail. They are very cute. And their personality sounds pretty great. It sounds like they're really like kind of like dog-like, which is kind of like an Abyssinian. Mm. <laughs> kind of went with similar trait cats. But anywho, that brings us to our picks. And it was Casey's turn this week to choose. Yes. So what did you choose and what is your choice? What is your category? The category is Asian Animal in Media. Okay. So that's a big category. Yes. And I panicked and just went with something (laughs) easy. Anyway, go on. What is yours? I chose the Lesser Death's Head Hawk Moth. Okay. Also, did you choose this category just so you could choose this animal? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. (laughs) Makes sense. All right. So that scientific name. Its scientific name is Acrorontia Styx. At least the sticks parts is easy. (laughs) I will say it is a pretty moth. Yes, it is. Anyway, tell us about them. This species is found from China westward into northern Thailand, as well as in other countries like Myanmar, India, and Pakistan. This species belongs to the family Sphiginidae. The species in this family are often referred to as sphinx moths, or more commonly as hawk moths. They get this name because of their hovering and other flight patterns. There are around 1,500 species in the family. There are two other species in the genus Acrorontia, all of which are referred to as death's hawk moth because there is a pattern on the back of their thorax that somewhat resembles the shape of a skull. The species was referenced in the classic horror movie Silence of the Lambs, one of my personal favorites. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah. But the species actually depicted is the Acarantia atropus, um, which is known as the African death's head hawk moth. But this species range also extends into Europe and Asia during the summer. This species of moth is also known as the bee robber and loves honey. And beekeepers often find them in their beehives. This species of hawk moth has the ability to mimic the scent of the bees, which allows them to enter the hives without getting attacked by the bees. They also have a strong proboscis, which allows them to pierce the cells in the beehive and drink the honey out of the cells. Oh. They also use this proboscis to pierce fruit, which makes them a pest for certain species like the citrus fruit yuzu. It has not been assessed by the Icyon Red List, but based on the fact it is considered a pest by both farmers and beekeepers, it is most likely have very stable populations. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Is that them? Yes. Okay. It does kind of look like a skull, but it's not mm-hmm. super obvious. But either way, I'd still say they're pretty. Yes. Okay. So when I saw this category, I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> media is so broad because then you have movies, TV, books, everything. And I'm like, I can't. So I first thought was, like, Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. But then clearly a tiger is my first choice. I'm like, that's real basic. I love that I tried to avoid a basic tiger, so I went with this animal. <laughs> um so because anyway, cho- because out of all, most likely is a Bengal tiger, which is like, in my opinion, the most basic is, subspecies, which is like my tiger. favorite one. But that's who uh-huh. it would have been. That would have. I mean, I haven't learned a ton about the other ones, but I really like Bengals. Mm. But anyway, um, but I would have chosen that. And then I could have been mean and been like a Black Panther, Casey, mm. and he could have gone off on that. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I was like, OK, let's not do Jungle Book. So I wound up going back to childhood. I don't even remember this movie that well because I watched it as a little kid. But I was like, we're in Asia, we're going giant panda, and I chose it from The Amazing Panda Adventure, which is a movie um, that is about pandas. Well, about a kid and a panda that he's trying to... Anyway, it's a whole thing. Go watch it. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so about the panda, their scientific name is Aluropoda Melan... Aluropoda Melanoluca. Great. We'll just have him say the name. That's great. (laughs) The giant panda has an incredibly fragmented distribution and is now primarily found in the provinces of Sichuan. Sichuan? I don't know. Sichuan. Sichuan. Okay. (sighs) Shanxi and Gansu. Sorry, Chinese people and Chinese, just China in general for mispronunciation, mispronouncing this. Oh, my Lord. In China. (laughs) The species primarily lives in temperate mountain forests and is found at altitudes of 1,500 to 3,000 meters above sea level. 
It's not known what the species lifespan is in the wild, but it's estimates to be or it's estimated to be 15 to 20 years in the wild. While in captivity, uh, they have been known to live into about 30 years. They measure around 1.2 to 1.5 meters long. They weigh around 75 to 160 kilograms. Like other bear species, the giant panda is solitary and relies heavily on scent marking for communication with others of their species. When scent marking their territory, males will do handstands to get their scent mark as high as possible, as it seems females are more interested in higher scent markings, likely due to an interest in larger males. Oh, you tricksters. All right. This bear species is very well known for its peculiar diet, being the most herbivorous of all bear species, and its diet consists almost exclusively of bamboo. In fact, pandas are so weird of bears that it wasn't until the late 20th century that scientists were sure that they actually um, that they are actually bears, despite being described back in 1869. Fun fact, when it was first discovered, its scientific name was Ursus Melanolucus, which translates to the black and white bear. Now the question becomes, why did the panda ditch meat while it's a part of the diet of all of their bear relatives? It appears the reason is deactivation or pseudogenization. Something like that. If you want to be technical, of an umami, umami test. Umami. Oh, umami. <laughs> that makes more sense. Can we tell I don't do sushi and all this stuff? Uh, of an umami taste receptor. What does that mean? TAS1R1? That's the gene. There you go, folks. <laughs> um, umami is the taste that is characteristic um taste of things like meat shellfish fish soy sauce and mushrooms studies suggest that the deactivation of this gene occurred near the time of their ancestors ate bamboo um but the switch to a bamboo diet happened before and the deactivation helped to reinforce the change in diet in short the deactivation of this gene made meat less tasty and is the vegan's key to world domination wow other things are tasty too besides meat man Yes, but come on, umami's great. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, there are likely other factors, however, because there are because there are oh my god, herbivores that still have an intact TAS1R1 mm-hmm, gene. Another issue that comes with bamboo is handling it while eating. So pandas have evolved a pseudo thumb that allows them to hold on to it while eating. The thumb is actually an elongated wrist bone rather than being a separate digit like in humans. Bamboo has its benefits as a food source in that it is everywhere and won't run away when you try to eat it. (laughs) The problem with bamboo is that it is very low in nutritional value, so pandas have to eat a lot and will eat up to 12.5 kilograms a day, which equates to eating bamboo for about 12 hours a day, which is crazy. (laughs) The giant panda still has the GI tract, digestive enzymes, and gut microbes of a carnivore, not like those of herbivores. Studies have found that at the molecular level, their diet was more like a carnivore, especially when to macronutrients, which are um, things like carbs, proteins, and fats. Pandas will change the species of bamboo they eat and which part of the plant throughout the year to increase their, pro- increase their protein intake and decrease the fiber intake. Bamboo is also incredibly strong and very hard to break, so much so that it is used as a building material and is three times stronger than timber and a greater tensile strength than steel. So pandas have evolved an incredibly powerful bite. It actually has the strongest bite force of any bear species, and back in 2008, has the third strongest recorded bite force with 292 pounds of biting pressure. Ooh, don't get bit by that. They have very large muscles on their skull that allow them to have such a strong bite. Ooh, it moved on me. (laughs) It moved too much. Um, Okay, and gives them that more rounded and cute little face. The black and white coloring of the panda still remains a mystery. One hypothesis is that it allows them to stand out to each other when trying to find a mate. Another is that it may serve as camouflage with the black spots alowing them to absorb heat for thermal regulation when hidden. However, in their range, pandas have no natural predators. (laughs) Okay, 
The giant panda is currently listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List. The population is currently on the rise with around 1,800 in the wild and 600 in captivity. The giant panda is unquestionably the most iconic animal in the conservation world and received great news back in 2016 when it was downlisted from endangered to vulnerable. China had a large part in the conservation efforts and considers each one a national treasure. The country has gifted to other countries' zoos for years in what has been called as panda diplomacy. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. One of the most successful instances was those at the San Diego Zoo with six pandas born from the female Bayoun and the most surviving cubs outside of a Chinese breeding center, but the zoo's contract ended in 2019, and it was very sad. Yes. We were sad to see them go. This was a big deal since mature females mate only once every two or three years and in peak receptiveness for just a few days. They are also on the Zoological Society of London's edge list ranked number 115, and this species represents 38.24 million years of unique evolutionary history. That is the giant panda. They're adorable, but their bite force is crazy. Yeah. Um, which is, I just find bears to be strange anyway. But um, <laughs> but they're so cute, and I yeah. miss them at the yeah. zoo so much. Anyway, I remember watching them actually crunch <laughs> and take or bark the bamboo. Yep, and fall over and yes, roll they're around. Very they're very clumsy. They're adorable. <laughs> All right, and Casey, I should have said this earlier, but um, what is a cat's favorite accessory? Um, a purse. Yay! You got it. So proud of you. All right. Well, that brings us to our animal of the week, and our animal of the week this week is. Oh, he wasn't ready. Animal of the week this week is. That was rough. Third time's a charm. Animal of the week this week is. The Yangtze giant soft-shelled turtle. That also wasn't great because you started ahead of time, but we'll move on. <laughs> All right. I think this is only our second turtle ever that we've done as Animal of the Week, um, right? I think we only did the leatherback, I think, as Animal of the Week. I think that's correct. Yeah. Turtle love. Woohoo! All right. So tell us about these guys. Gladly. So these guys come from the order Testudines, which includes all turtles. They come from the family Trionicidae. And their scientific name is Raphiatus swinohii. Okay. This species was initially native to China and Vietnam. Yes, I did butcher this species epithet. It's okay. It's me every day. (laughs) It lives in freshwater lake and river ecosystems. And individuals of this species have been recording living into their 90s. Wow. And it is one of the largest aquatic turtle species in the world. Measuring at 109 centimeters long, and their shell is about 70 centimeters wide and can weigh from 120 to 140 kilograms. Oh my gosh. Yep. Okay, I thought they were smaller than this. Okay. Nope, they're big. <laughs> this species is omnivorous and feeds on aquatic vertebrates, uh, invertebrates, fish, as well as aquatic plants. Based on reports from a female kept in captivity, this species may prefer nesting on sandy beaches. As when she laid clutches, she did so on a sandy bank. Reports from fishermen also show that this species is primarily found in regions of river with sandbars. Species is also known to have fairly large clutch clutch sizes, having clutches of 60 eggs or more. Reports from fishermen reveal this species preferring to live in deeper water of its lake environment. Like other species of soft-sailed turtles, it prefers slow-moving or even still-water habitat. It seems to live a sedentary lifestyle and spends much of its time resting on the bottom of its river. This is an indication of a likely ambush predator lifestyle in which it lies in wait on the bottom of a lake or river and simply waits for prey to swim by close enough for it to catch it. Similar to other soft-shelled turtles and snapping turtles. Okay. Also, like other soft shells, it is known to shuffle in the sediment to bury itself to hide from its prey and potential predators. <laughs> the Yangtze giant soft shell turtle belongs to the genus Raphiatus, Raphidus, sorry, which contains just two species of giant soft shell turtle. The genus, this genus of turtles, diverged from all other extant turtles over 40 million years ago. 
To put that into perspective, that is more than 10 million years earlier than humans shared an ancestor with baboons. Wow. The other species of turtle in this genus is the Euphrates softshell turtle, which it diverged from 20 million years ago. Yangtze giant softshell turtle holds distinction of being the world's most endangered turtle and possibly the most endangered species on Earth. Wow. It is classified as critically endangered by the IUCN Red List. Its population has been in decline over the past two de- few decades. It is now absolutely minuscule. This species has been reduced to such low numbers due to habitat loss, due to infrastructure development, including dams and poaching for turtle meat and its eggs. Up until 2018, there were just three individuals known, an elderly male and female in the Shushan Shush- Sushao Zoo in China, as well as an unsexed individual living in the Red River population. Later on that year, it was discovered using environmental DNA collected from the Xuancan Lake that there was still at least one individual living in the area. Unfortunately, the next year saw a tragedy with the captive female dying. During the course of her life, there were multiple breeding attempts and even artificial insemination attempts, but she never produced any fertile eggs. Hmm. The individual from the Red River population was eventually captured in October of last year and was confirmed to be a female, so there is at least one male and one female of the species left. Oh my gosh. The problem still being is that confirmed male is over 100 years old and has most of his penis missing, most likely to to a fight with another male when he was younger. Oh, wow. There have been reports that there is at least one other turtle seen by the locals in the Dongmo Lake, as well as the individual identified by the environmental DNA in the Xuancan River, leaving the population at just still three confirmed individuals. With the discovery of this individual, conservationists are hopeful that there are others out there and they hope to capture and put in semi-wild areas or captive breeding programs in Vietnam. Wow. Yes. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why I hadn't heard about them, because yeah. they don't exist anywhere. There's only two of them. Well, three, sort of, mm-hmm. maybe. All right. Well, that is crazy. That is the Yangtze giant soft shell. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Turtle. And good luck to me finding a picture of that. Go team. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, our challenge. And I was initially going to do Jeopardy, but then Casey did that. So I was like, I'll do that next month. And you know what? We're so far behind on cups. We're just going to go for cups again. Um, Let me get a timer ready here. Are you doing it? You can do it. You already have yours out. Okay, I am doing it. Okay. So five minutes, right, is what we've decided? Yes. Not ten. Nope, not ten. Let's not do it right or do it wrong for words. Yep, Um, I have it as five. Oh, there are the dice. I was like, I know I brought dice for this reason. Oh, God. Making all the noise. I knocked over the water bottle that I had to bring in here because Tiger Lily was being a problem before. Okay, let's see. Let me get a dice. I'll be evens again? Sure. Okay. Because I'm out. You go first. Alrighty. Okay, hang on. Let me put this back so I can get ready here. Okay. Just going to get mine ready to go for when you're ready. Okay, right. and go. Um... So, what color is my shirt? <laughs> uh, pink, purple. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. This was your favorite. Um... Purple urchin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, this was your favorite. Uh, it was a really cute month. I don't know how to describe this. They almost kind of look like a hedgehog. Echidna? Yeah, but what's um, the rest of that name? Short nose echidna. Close, but. Long beak echidna. Well, okay. Short beak echidna. There you go. That's it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um. Um, so not black, but white, <laughs> um, you hear with your ears, um, a white eared something, white eared deer. No, um, no. you eat corn on the cob, white eared cob. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, what the fruit loops, uh, mascot is toucan. Yep. Oh, they're the unicorns of the sea. <laughs> Oh, I should know that. Uh, Dugong? Is that are no, they? No, up north. I oh, s- narwhal. Okay, that makes more sense. Well, we just talked about the unicorn deer thing, so 
Okay. Oh, I just talked about these in Gates of the Arctic. Um, their fight didn't last very long. They're really big. Grizzly bear? No. Oh wait. Polar bear? Wait. No. What? Not bears. Oh, moose. Yes. What was I thinking? My <laughs> goodness. Um. The Egypt is along the. The Egypt. <laughs> The Nile? Um, yes. Nile crocodile. Nile no. monitor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Egypt. Oh, no. Okay, this is a random one I put in there. Okay, so not a crocodile, but a... Alligator? Yep. And um, our animal... Okay, this is the third word. Our animal of the week this week was a... Turtle? Basic, yeah. Okay, and then if they... Um... Alligator snapping turtle? Yeah, there you go. You got it. Good job. Oh, they're... I don't know what that means. <laughs> They're small little canid. A uh, fox? Yes. A Channel Island fox. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, God. Oh, this is my favorite. I can't say that word. Um, well, the Alcon Blue is one of them. It's a butterfly. Yes. Oh, um, okay. It, oh, my gosh. It's It has Pipe kind of... vine swallowtail? Yeah, you got it. There, and, and then that last word. Butterfly. There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, um... They're a, they look like a crustacean, but they're not, and they have blue blood. Uh, a horseshoe crab? Yes. Okay. Oh, this was the, okay, this is, well, this is good, because this time I have to give the hint, so now you all know what it is. Okay, so, um, not green, but the, the light that means stop. Red. Yep, and it's not your arms, but. Legs. Yep. Red-legged. Deer? Nope. No, really? it's the thing you climb and ponder in. It's a big plant. Oh, a big plant. What? Yeah. Like an evergreen. Oh, right. Red leg tree mugger? <laughs> mugger? Oh, right. Red leg tree creeper. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> okay. Um. So, like a horse, but it lives in Africa, is striped. A zebra? And Grubbies. they look like a snake living in the water. Oh, zebra mori eel. Yep. Okay, cool, great. Um, oh, this is my favorite. I can't say that word. Um, sometimes they'll flip each other over. Okay, well, there's like an Girl? Indian version of this, of like the bigger animal that it's named after. There's an Indian and there's like a white. They have them at the, the animal park. There's a big statue you can sit on of it. Oh, Indian rhinoceros? Okay, so, but take that last word. Rhinoceros. And then it's something beetle. small. Rhinoceros yeah, there we beetle. go. <laughs> um, so, another word that can be described for feminine is to describe gay people. Flamboyant? Um, yes. Cuttlefish? Yes. Okay. Um, oh, this is my favorite, I guess, Eurasian waterfowl. Oh, Mandarin um, duck. Yeah. Oh, uh, what? No. <laughs> Not day, but... Nights in Gale. Yes. Oh, okay, great. Um, oh, boy. Okay. Mm, not a kilobyte, but a... Oh, I Gigabyte? Can't... No, a different Watt? one. A, a smaller one. Kill... Wait, not um, a kilowatt? Kilobyte? I don't know how to... I don't know how to get past this one how much time do we have like two seconds yeah okay great we're gonna die on this one um yeah okay <laughs> okay all right let's see how we did okay again i got Nine. eight math 17 nine plus eight yeah uh, that's 17 thank you okay these are the ones we've done Allie. yes okay so <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was our last episode for 2021. May 2022 have better stuff going on. I uh, really want to get past COVID yeah. at some point. It would help if people, like, you know, actually cared and did anything to help with that. But, you know, anyway, that's how we, that's how it goes. Um, and we will be coming back in February. Again, there are no new episodes in January because we are taking that month off. That's our usual mid-season break. We will be back with Oceana in February, um, but definitely go catch up on things on the website. Check out our stuff. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Check out Patreon. He'll have his list up there. Mm -hmm. um, and for just $1 a month, you can get access to our random bonus content and a bonus Animal of the Week. Uh, not Animal of the Week, but Animal of the Month, I guess. Yeah. 
I get sort of a bonus animal of the week. Um, yeah. So check us out, animaladdictspodcast.com. And obviously on social media to see all the links and the uh, pictures that we can get of our adorable animals. I hope you have a great new year. And we will see yep. you. We'll, we'll talk to you in uh, <laughs> 2022. Also, just in case you don't know this yet, in case I forgot to say it since we're coming back in February, February 22nd is... Two twenty two twenty two, oh and um, it's on a Tuesday, so it's Tuesday. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to that. So I don't know if a podcast lands on that, but just so you know, that should be a celebration. Hopefully, I can have tacos by then. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As always, we're your host Sally and Casey, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.